Thanks for being here this morning. We weren't sure how the breakfast is going to go. You know, we've been doing lunches for, I guess, over a year or so ago. And we said, okay, it's time to kick back and get out. And we said, let's kick it off with a breakfast. So I'm glad you showed up. And Hunter, that's some pretty high-tech stuff you got going on there. I, I like it. Don't know how to use it, but it looks really cool. And, uh, and I think y'all got it working. If you just had a better speaker, you'd be set for life. Uh, absolutely good, good information and great breakfast. And again, so good to see you this morning. I promise you, you'll be out in time for work in just a moment. What a better way to start our day off, though, than to be able to begin our day looking at some leadership stuff that will help us. And as you know, what I try to do with teaching leadership is, is use a Bible character and then teach what they have taught us, how you can apply it in your job, in your home, in your business, or wherever you go. Today, I want to tell you about a guy whose name is Moses. Most of you know about him. Uh, I called it what I learned of leadership from Moses. I remember when I made it the statement the other day to somebody, we were in the room, and they said, what are we teaching? And I said, what I learned in leadership from Moses. And somebody at the, state, at the table was so new, they said, you know Moses? <laughs> said, well, I know I'm old, but, but, uh, uh, but not quite that way. Uh, here's what I do know. We're living in uncertain times. We're living in a time where there's a lot of division, and we're living in a time where, where there's just too much unrest. And, and I was thinking the other day, outside of spiritual issues and problems, what's the greatest need outside of the spiritual? If you could say, what's the one thing that would solve the problems that we have? And just in my line of thinking, I can't help but think the issue is leadership. Good leadership can solve problems. In fact, I want to make a statement to you that I heard years ago that others have said. I remember when I first heard it, and I think he was the author, was a guy named Lee Robertson. And he was the president of a college in Tennessee. And I happened to be sitting nearby, and he was an older guy. He was in his 80s then, but he was a real wise man, had a low voice, and he stood up there to talk, and somebody said, Dr. Robertson's one of the smartest men you'll ever meet. He's helped more people. And they began to ask him questions. And I'll never forget, he turned and answered a question. He said, remember this, young man, everything rises and falls on leadership. And then he turned and went off talking about something else. And I remember as a kid, when I'm young, I, I'm you know, 19, just trying to grow in my faith. But when I heard that statement, I caught it the first time. You know, sometimes somebody will make a statement and it takes you three or four times. The moment he said it, it was like a light went on. Everything rises and falls on leadership. And he's absolutely right. That's one of the most profound statements that is yet sounds simple. You think about it. Uh, take a Nick Saban, Alabama football coach. Put him on any college team in the world, and in a few years, they'll be way up in the top. You know why? Because everything rises and falls on leadership. Put a leader in a job, and it grows. Take a, take a leader out of a job and put somebody who just wants the job in there, and you'll discover it'll become what that person is. Every job, by the way, is a reflection of the person who did it. Think about that. Every job is a reflection of the person that did it. If the job is is done well, that's a reflection that somebody cares. It's done with excellence. If it's done sloppy, you know, every job and every one of us, our leadership is what we are advertising, whether we know it or not. Uh, when I think about that, everything rises and falls on leadership, I think about it this way. It rises and falls on leadership in the home. Show me a home where they've got direction and they've got, and they've got a purpose and they've got a plan, and, and I'll show you a home that has leadership. There's a, there's a guy in our church, and I'm going to have him soon on my podcast. He's a, uh, he's a physician. He went to an Ivy League college, 
he has five members in his family. All five of them went to a different Ivy League college. He wouldn't let any of them go to the same ones. And so you had to go to different. So one had to go to Harvard, one to Yale, one to Princeton. And that's what they did. Now, and every member of his family went to an Ivy League school. And one of the things he told me was this. He said, Bill, I've figured out a pattern. He said, I could take an orphan kid off the street who couldn't even read and write. And you give me time with that kid and I can get him in an Ivy League school. He's learned a pattern of how to bring out a leader. And I'm thinking, man, every parent in America would pay you for that. I mean, get out of the physician business and teach the rest of us how to raise our kids that way. You know, we can't even get them to do the homework. But, but what he's saying is they've got a plan. They've got a direction. Everything rises and falls on leadership in the home. It does it in the business. In fact, um, you ever notice this? You can see a good business in a bad location, and it's still growing. And you can see a bad business in a good location, and it's still not growing. You know, it's not, you know, the real estate, and I don't want to mean offensive, but sometimes realtors say this, um, you know, location, location, location. Location is not everything. It helps. Uh, if, if you're good and you got a better location, you'll be better. Uh, if, if you're bad and you got a good location, it's not going to help you, okay? And so uh, the fact is location is not what's going to change it. Good service is what's going to change it. Good customer service. When people know that you care and people see that you can make a difference and add value, they'll drive past other places to come to get to you. And so everything rises and falls on leadership in business as well. And then on uh, another long, it, it does that in churches. We live in a town with more churches. Columbus, Georgia has more churches than any other city in America outside of Mobile, Alabama. We're number two. Mobile's got more than Columbus. Now, that's a lot of churches. Um, I don't know if that's good or bad. It'd be good if everybody's, if everybody's doing what they should do. I had a businessman that was a very, very, he, was, he, he wasn't an educated businessman, but he was a, he was a kind of guy that dropped out of school early on, went on to the business, and just made fortunes everywhere. He had about 10 businesses, and probably the smallest was maybe $50 million. And I'll never forget one time in a question that I asked him. He had a little odd thing. He said, I don't put a business in a city with a lot of churches. And I said, what? He said, nah, Bill, I just don't do that. He said, that people like that can't get along with one another. They're petty. They fight with each other. They go down the street, start another church. They fight with each other. He said, you don't want to be in, this, in a city where those kind of people are like that. He said, you spend all your time having to straighten out problems in the company instead of getting something done. So he chose to put businesses in churches and cities where there were less churches because he said it was an indication that they couldn't get along. Now, I don't know if that's right or not. But I do know that leadership in churches, everything rises and falls on leadership in church the same way. Show me, show me somebody who is a leader, and I'll show you somebody that leads a church, that can grow a church. Uh, th there's a friend that I've had here named Benny Tate. Benny comes here. He's spoken for us about once a year over at Cascade. Benny passes a church in an area where the whole city, the whole county, don't have 500 people. He's running 5,000 in his church. They come from seven counties around. And uh, I remember when he first started, when Benny first started, they didn't have any buildings, they didn't have any staff, they didn't have any money, they had nothing but a cow field and a little building. And yet the difference was, is Benny different than a lot of others was a leader. And because he was a leader and everything rises and falls on leadership, in no time, everybody started coming and drawing their friends and bringing. And over a matter of years, there was years they'd go forward and go back and go forward and go back and did like everybody else, just hard work. But in the end, they built one of the great churches in America out in the middle of a field, and God blessed him. And Benny, my dear friend, has done well, but 
He's done well because he's a leader. And what's around him are churches that never grew. And they've been there the whole 20 years. And so what I'm saying to you is, learn this, everything rises and falls on leadership. Now, let me give you this, okay? Here's a couple of points along that line. One is everyone is created for a purpose. Every one of us have a purpose. We know Moses had one. We know that God raised him up as a young boy, saved him from birth, from, from, uh, from being killed, and, and uh, as a little Israelite boy, raised in the home of Pharaoh, God protected him. You know that throughout his life, God watched over him. And so God had a purpose for Moses, and we all know that. But here's where I think we can get in trouble. We forget that God loves you as much as he does Moses. God's got a purpose for you. God's got a purpose for everyone. He wired us a certain way. He put gifts and talents and skills and experience in our life for us to be able to add value to others and know him better. So we have a purpose. My hope is that we'll learn this, that, that when it comes to having a purpose and, and, uh, and living out your purpose is, is understanding that if I miss my purpose in life, I'm going to be unfulfilled no matter what happens. And so I want to make sure that I find what I'm gifted at. You may have to ask your friends, what around me, what, what do you see in me that, that, is, that I add value to? What's my best qualities? And let them help you. But everyone's created for a purpose. You were too. Moses, by the way, battled insecurities. You know, when, when God first called Moses, he started saying, I, I'm not able, I can't speak, I stutter. Uh, can I help you with this? If you, if you feel unqualified, that's a good place. That's an asset, not a liability. See, you'll learn and push it if you feel unqualified. If you feel like you know it all, you'll get slack and lazy. You know, you don't want to hire somebody that knows it all. You know, you don't want to hire somebody that you bring on and they, they got all the answers, just get out of the way and give them a check. You want somebody that says, I don't know what to do and, and I'm new at it, but give me the opportunity and I'll work at it. And so be, be, you know, be, be in good company when you're insecure. You're where Moses was. Everybody God ever used was insecure, they had some flaw, they, they weren't perfect. And, and by the way, uh, that's what encourages me, because when I look at them, I say, man, I've messed up a lot. And then I look at their lives, and even the heroes. You know, I even look at David, and I look at Moses, look at all them, and so they messed up too, I'm in good company. So I tell you this, remember this, that God's got a call for you and a purpose for you, but you don't have to be perfect to reach it. All right, let me give you another Here's, here's what I'd say you have to learn. Don't underestimate the value of your palace training. That is, Moses was raised in the home of Pharaoh where he would learn leadership. God put him there. It took him away from mom and dad, raised him in a home of Pharaoh. But the reason was one day God was going to use him down the road. He's going to use him down the road to be the leader of three million Jews to bring out those slaves and so what better place for Moses to learn leadership than in the house of Pharaoh? If he had stayed in his daddy's home, he wouldn't have ever learned that much. So God took him out, put him over there, and he'd spend years there, but it was equipping him for what he would do ultimately. Now, here's the point. A lot of you are not where you're going to be forever. You're just where you should be right now. Right now, you're just getting skills and experience and you're learning things but it may not be where you're going to be forever. Uh, it scares me because I, uh, I recently just kind of did this retirement deal. And uh, I was talking to a guy the other day. He said, Bill, I spent my whole life doing this. And guess what? Now I know the Lord's leading me into this. It's totally opposite. But I got to go. You got to obey God. And he kept saying, you got to obey God. And I kept wanting to say, shut up. Just shut up. 
I'm happy right now. I'm really good. <laughs> you know, you know, I appreciate God telling you that there's a whole new journey for you. I liked my journey. But, but you see what he's saying is the truth. You're getting experience now because there's some future for you. So don't underestimate the value. Now, now Moses got to learn some things over there. He's going to get an education. He's going to learn three ways. He's going to learn by education. He's going to learn by observation. And he's going to learn by perspiration. He learns by education in that when he's in Egypt, God took him away from, from Israel and put him over here in Egypt, and he's raised in Pharaoh's house. But there he's going to learn astronomy. He's going to learn architecture. He's going to learn the arts. He's going to learn math because Egypt was better than anyone in the world at that time. In fact, an Egyptian education was like an Oxford education. So therefore, it was the highest level. God's going to raise up a leader. He takes him as a little boy, puts him over here to raise him in Pharaoh's house to learn about leadership but to receive an education that will give him credibility down the road. So you see the hand of God through all of it. Same with your life. So he's going to learn education. Then he's going to learn this. He's going to learn, and I'd say on education for Arian, never quit growing. You know what I love about that little phone? Now, I don't like it because it can be a distraction. But what I do like about it is I can Google almost anything I want to know. And I tell you, if you want to know something, start Googling, learning, always learn. And so you can do that. Moses learned education. He learned observation by watching Pharaoh. By the way, can you imagine this? If you're around a leader, Moses is around a man who's got to make decisions for armies and for a nation. So he's getting to watch how he makes decisions. He gets to see how he handles disgruntled employees. He gets to see how he motivates other employees. He gets to watch how this man acts under pressure and in times of peace. He gets to see how he treats people. So Moses is taking all this in as a kid so that when he becomes a leader, he's already headed off further than most of them, put himself in a better position. So I say to you, that's the second. The third is uh, perspiration was the key. Perspiration means it's, it's called sweat equity. It's, uh, it's just hard work. And I'd love to tell you there's some easy way to do something. There's no easy way to win. There's no, there, there's not. The, the best way you can do it is just put your sweat in, roll up your sleeves, go all out, be the hardest you can. Some of you know this guy. Last week I did a podcast with uh, Charlie Lindsay. Charlie has owned at one time probably as many businesses as anybody I know. I mean, when I started going in, yeah, I own this, I own that. And if you name a field, he's owned that at one point. And he's just done real well in business. When I did a podcast with him, though, he said a statement the other day. I want you to hear this one little statement that he made that I said, that's a secret to every leader as well. And so run that for me. I try to teach my guys. Mm -hmm. When I say my guys, my yeah. girls and guys, and I try to be an example of is I can control those two things. Yes. And when it comes to hard work, you're not going to work. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and so ultimately, if you take that attitude, then – you'll look up and you'll receive dividends from that. And and and, 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 and you can use that in any area yes. you want to. And he's right. When he says that, he says, you're not going to outwork me. Do you hear that? You're not going to. You ever had that attitude? You're not going to outwork me. I mean, you can try anything you want. I promise you, if, if, if we don't run out of time, I will win because I wear you out in the end. And you just want to have that kind of. You ever had a turtle? I remember one time I had this little turtle. I tried to save its life. I pulled over the side of the road. It was walking out the road, and I pulled over, and I turned him around. And I got back in my car. Look back. He turned around. He's going back out in the street. I pulled back over, turned him around. I started to drive. He turned back around. Finally, I just said, okay, you win. Want to die today? Have at it. I'm trying to save you. 
but he was just relentless. I'm going across the other street, no matter what it takes. I think some of us ought to have that mindset. We ought to have that attitude that I'm going to outwork you. I'm going to hang it. I'm going to do it. I'm not quitting. And if we have both the education and then the observation, watching others do it and put in the perspiration, there's hardly any way you can lose. Now, Moses had to do something else. I'm giving you a lot of stuff here quickly, but Moses had to leave his comfort zone to reach his potential. In fact, you'll notice there's a pattern there. Three times with Moses, when he was born as a baby, he has to leave a comfort zone, leave mom and dad, and go be raised at Pharaoh's home. And in order to reach his potential, he had to leave comfort. Then later on, he's there one day. He knows he's a Hebrew, and he sees an Egyptian picking on a Hebrew, and he goes and defends him, and he murders the man. He murders the Egyptian. He hides his body. The next day, he's down there, and he tries to break up two Hebrews from fighting. They say, oh, you're going to kill us like you did the Egyptian yesterday? Moses knew he was in trouble. He had to leave. He had to run away from the palace now. Here's Moses having to leave again his comfort zone. He lived in a palace. Now he's living out in the wilderness. And then he's out there, and during the time out there, there comes a time that God's going to use him to lead the Israelites out of Egypt, three million Jews. So he's got to leave comfort again. Everywhere he goes, he has to leave the comfort zone to go to his potential. Now, I don't want to scare you. You, don't want to, uh, you. you may want to be praying or you may want to shut your ears. But what if God's trying to get you to leave your comfort zone? I mean, what, what if God's trying to say, okay, you're here, but now I'm ready for you to take the big leap. Okay, you've rested long enough. Here's what I want you to go. What are you going to do? I think if you're going to do like God wants you to do and reach the best and do like Moses, you're going to say, okay, i got to step out of the comfort zone sometime. That's part of it. It's always stretching. It's never stopping. Now, let me give you this. There's four addictions. I call them addictions or tests that every leader is going to go through. And Moses went through most of these. You will, too. I'll give them to you quickly. One is a test of popularity. Um, if being popular or being known or being liked is really important to you, your leadership will never go far. You put a lid on your own leadership. The day you listen to the applause, the day you wonder how well you're doing in the eyes of others, the, the day you start thinking, I'm playing the that, then is the day that you're in trouble. That's the day you cap you, your leadership. You don't, your interest ought to be to lead is to help people to get better. It's to make the organization better. And, and it's not about popularity. And how many of us have seen this, by the way? We've seen politicians. They're the best candidates in the world. They can promise you the moon. As soon as they get elected, they forget you until four more years. They come back around every four years, made the same promise they made last time. They're really good at candidating. They're just not good at leading. And so it's not enough to get the job. You've got to do the job when you get it. So the secret is watch the issue of the test of popularity. Another is the test of position. Some people, when they get a title, I mean, it goes to their head. You know, now I'm the boss. You know, I'm the manager. And once you get a title, you ruin them. You know, some people can't have, you can't praise some people because they get the big head and can't fit in the room. And so be careful about the title. You know, there used to be a television show years ago, Andy Griffith. It was called Maybe RFD. There was a little guy who's really insecure named Barney. He was a deputy. And they'd give Barney one bullet because he was real hazardous. He'd shoot somebody. And, and every time Andy left town, Barney pretended to be the sheriff, you know. And I mean, when Barney pretended to be the sheriff, the whole town would collapse because Barney was in charge. And, and it, no matter what problem, everybody would be saying, it's Barney again. Well, you don't want to be known as Barney. You want to be the person when you get the position. Understand this. I've said it before, but it's worth it. The purpose of power is to empower. You are a leader to empower others. 
You're not a leader so that you can, you know, drive others, push others and bully others. If you have the power, help others, liberate others. If you can do it, set them free. So there's the test of position. It's the test of power. And uh, that's, you know, if I have the power to hurt or not. And then there's then there's a test. This is the test of sex. I have to tell pastors this all the time. I've got a book with about 175 names in it. Over the years, every time another pastor would crash and burn, you know, mess up his life, I'd write his name down. I'd write what the offense was. And I will go to it occasionally and look at it. The other day, I, I was glancing through it, and there's probably, there's, there's one out of about 175, one that it was a money problem. It's never a money problem. The world is so fooled by that. It's, they think, oh, in ministry, the money's the issue. There's, there, nobody I know does it for the money, okay? But, and there's nobody I know that's ever failed except this one probably for the money. There's one that was a drug addiction, and I can see that. I've, I've known of that. But do you know how much the rest of almost 150 of the rest of them were sex-related? It was sexual. It was somebody that went after the opposite sex, some cases the same sex, but either way, it was, a, you know, it was somebody else. So what I say to you is, is watch that test in your life. When you're a leader, people are going to like it. See, when I became, when, 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 I, when I was not known and then all of a sudden became pastor and the church grew and all that stuff, I had women come on to me that never came on to me before. You know, I know me. I'm not, God blessed me with a sufficient amount of ugliness. So I, you know, I know that I don't walk in a room and all the women go, wow. And I, I get that. And so all of a sudden, you'd have these women making these moves and, and their husbands say, you wouldn't believe what she's telling me about the pastor. And, and, and you know, I know where they were. That was just the flesh. That's just the devil. You're going to get that. One day you're going to find yourself being tempted and that's going to tell who you are. And you're going to need at that point stop and say, wait a minute, I'm, I'm not falling down that road. Remember Joseph? Joseph took his coat and ran home. And he wound up in a whole lot of trouble, but at least he did the best thing. Uh, here's some others real quick. Moses had to learn delegation. You got to learn to let other people have a role or you won't go far. You can't do it all. Delegating means giving other people a responsibility and letting them grow too. Uh, it also requires courage. Leadership is courage. Ten times Moses went down to Pharaoh, ten times to the to the man, main guy in power, said, let my people go. That took courage. Uh, you have to stay on the agenda. One thing that leaders do better than probably anybody else is they know how to focus. If you write down 10 leaders you know, and then write down all their common qualities, one thing you'll find is common of every one of them is the ability to focus. Focus scattered will light up a room. But focus harnessed can cut through steel. You can make a laser of it. When you can change your focus, you will get, by the way, you know this, you, you feel what you focus on. You always feel whatever you focus on, good or bad. And you will always be driven to what you focus on, whatever you focus on. I was teaching my sister years ago. My older sister wanted to learn how to ride a motorcycle. And so I, she took me, she had bought one. She took me to a baseball, a football field, and there was no one playing. And she said, Bill, will you teach me how to ride? I said, sure. So I got her. And when I got her out there to teach her how to ride it, I remember there was a football somebody had left down on like the 20-yard line other than the field. And you could see it sitting over there. And I said, now look, just drive all the way down to the goal line and put on that brake. Now, don't hit that ball. Now, the moment I said that, you know what she did? She hit the ball. 
headed straight to the ball. And you know why? Because she was focused on the ball. So now the whole time she's riding, she's going. And I sat there and said, she's going to hit that ball. And sure enough, 70 yards to turn around. No, she's just straight. Whenever I hit that ball, the ball goes this way. She falls off. And, and I remember that's what I kind of learned. I should have not said a word. I should have said nothing, you know, because if I had not said anything, maybe she wouldn't have hit it. But the truth is what we focus on, we feel, what we focus on is where we go. And so that, that's the key. You got to learn to stay on your agenda. In the book of Nehemiah, I love how they want to come, get him come down and let's debate. You know what Nehemiah said? He said, oh, no, I'm doing too great a work. I cannot come down. Some of you, by the way, your parents, you're doing too great a work to get involved in everything else. You take care of your kids. You love those kids. You spend time with them. You don't have to do everything in the world. You raise those kids. That's a, that's a godly thing. Some of you, the marriage, put, put the best effort in the thing that's going to mean something. I've always said give the best to the people who are going to cry the deepest at your funeral. And so make sure you don't neglect them. And the key is going to be stay on the right agendas in your life. And then the last thing I'll tell you to remember is this. Sometimes people will hurt you. Moses got hurt by people he loved. 250 leaders turned on him in one day. And, and the same people that were his friends one day before turned on him the next day. Some of the very people you help the most will hurt you one day. You know what you got to do? Keep helping people. Don't quit. That's on them. Let them do what they want to do, but you don't stop or slow down. And if somebody says, look, you know, I, I got my feelings hurt, you know, because they hurt my feelings. I helped. You ought to say, helped them and, and they hurt me, but I'm going to help 10 more anyway. I'm going to keep helping anyway. What they do with it's on them, but what I do with it's on me, and I'm going to keep helping. I've always said it this way. I would rather help 10 people and nine of them give me a finger and curse me out and never speak to me again. And one of them turn around and say, thank you. That to not help 10 and miss that one that really needed it. And so don't, don't be afraid to put yourself out there. That's what Moses did. A lot of information, but that's what I learned from Moses' leadership. No, I didn't Moses, but what I learned from him is a whole lot more than I use in my life.